The Stanley Hotel is claimed to be the most haunted hotel in America. There are so many ghosts that inhabit the place that they have a list of who resides in each room and you can choose who you will spend the night with. It has even inspired one of the most terrifying books which became a movie and a cult classic, Red Rum. Red Rum. Hi, my name's Anne Rekovich. And I'm Renata Daniel. And we welcome you to this week's episode of True Hauntings as we look at the notorious Stanley Hotel, Estes Park, Colorado. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Tell us the story of a Stanley Hotel. There is a young ghost that is said to haunt the Stanley Hotel in the concert hall. Her name is Lucy and she was a runaway. Lucy was only 12 or 13 years old when she was found squatting in the basement of the Stanley Hotel. She was discovered by maintenance men that had come down to survey the area prior to doing some major renovations to the concert hall, which was directly above them. The maintenance men ran her out of the basement without a thought for her well-being. Lucy was forced to spend the night outside in the cold mountain air. That night, the temperature dropped below zero. Lucy was found on the grounds later the next day, frozen to death. Lucy doesn't seem to be bitter about what happened to her, and she isn't shy to reach out from the other side. She's been photographed many times, and her voice recorded too. Seems she's been there for a very long, long time, and enjoys answering questions of staff and ghost hunters. When she's not busy being chatted to by her mortal fans, she's often heard humming distant melodies and childlike giggles. Lucy is but one of many, many ghosts that roams the Stanley Hotel. Now, Anne, you've been to the Stanley Hotel, haven't you? I have. Are you oh, lucky, my lucky thing? God, it's one of the most beautiful places on this earth, and I so want to take you back. I want to go, and it almost, almost burnt down this year. I know. The, with fires, the fires came so close to oh, it. My, all my friends that we went, because we did a cannonball run around America, um, don't use Google Maps to sort out how far you've got to travel because it was telling me the time in hours and minutes based mm. on the kilometres I put in. Mm-hmm. But for some unknown reason, Google thought it was miles. So when I was thinking I had 
180 kilometres to travel that day. Mm -hmm. It was 180 miles. miles. So we were on the road for hours and hours (laughs) and we'd drive to a location, stay the night, get out and run away. But this particular one, we were actually there for a conference over the weekend and I was invited by the gorgeous Chip Coffee. He had come to Australia. Name drop, name drop. I had to do it. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, so um, he invited us over and we, as soon as I said I was going, all these other people were going, can I come? Can I come? So we had uh, Jenny, Julie, Jason and Julie <laughs> all jump in this giant big truck of a car and we, we went for a cannonball run around America. But we did have three nights at the Stanley Hotel and um, I'll tell you a little bit more about my experiences with that later, but... I'm very jealous. It was great. You know what I did? I went around to all of the um, the American people that were attending the conference, and mm. there was a lot of them, um, and I had little business cards mm-hmm. with a pack of Vegemite strapped to it, you know, the little <laughs> breakfast ones, and I'm, I'm handing it to all these random people, and they're sort of looking at me like I'm a lunatic. Anyway, mm. Chip got hold of his Vegemite, and he goes, oh, Anne, that tastes like ass wipe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that a, would be something he would yeah, say. He is such a gorgeous guy. <laughs> but let's get on to some of the history because it's always important to know a little bit about the history of a place just to see whether any ghosts may be connected with some of that information. Mm, layers and layers. Absolutely. So the Stanley Hotel was opened on the 4th of July 1909. I wonder if there was fireworks. Maybe. Oh, that's interesting. It was a colonial revival-style hotel with 142 rooms in Estes Park, Colorado, and it's only five miles from the Rocky Mountain National Park, another place I would love oh, to go. It beautiful driving up through those parks. It was built by a gentleman called Freeland Oscar Stanley and was a resort for the upper class. Oh, for the nice people. Yes. That's amazing. I got there. For those with money. So the land originally was considered to be a sacred area for Native American Indians, but they didn't live there. It was still considered to be a place of healing. And Estes Park is 2,293 metres above sea level. And where the Stanley Hotel is built, it's on top of limestone and quartz with running water all around the area. Well, you know what that does. That that is a recipe for spirit activity. That is correct. But can I just point out the 200, no, sorry, 2,293 metres above sea level, that's a mile, isn't it? I don't know. It's more than a mile. Wow. So That's up high. People can join the Mile High Club. Oh, no. <laughs> God. Oh. <laughs> I had to go there. Sorry. <clears throat> That's just awful. Okay, how do you recover from that? Keep going. No. Oh, I can't. Anyway, in 1903, the Yankee steam-powered car inventor Freeland, Oscar Stanley, call I love him, the name, Freeland. Yeah, call him F.O. Was stricken with a life-threatening resurgence of tuberculosis. And the most highly recommended treatment of the day was fresh, dry air with much sunlight and a hearty diet. Mm, I wonder what a hearty diet was back then. Mm. Meat and veg. So many of the lungers, as they used to call them, uh, went... Because that's because of the lungs, because of yep. two, so lungers. Yep, or lungers. Yeah, lungers. Lungers, if you want to do it that way, lungers. that's fine. Resolved to take the the air, the curative air of the Rocky Mountains. Yep. And he and his wife, Flora, arrived in Denver, Colorado in March. And in June, 
on the recommendation of his doctor, Dr. Sherman Grant Bonney, they moved to Estes Park, Colorado for the rest of the summer. So over the season, Freeland's health improved dramatically. He was impressed by the beauty of the valley, of course he would be, and grateful for his recovery. He decided to return every year. Yeah. It was his physician's cabin and he was basically sent there to die. So they weren't expecting him to get better. No. And so here he is having a turnaround in his health and he's so overcome with joy yeah. <laughs> that he decides to purchase land. And so in 1908... He goes through the representatives of the 4th Earl of Dunraven and Mount Earl, the Anglo-Irish peer who had originally acquired the land by doing a bit of stretching of the provisions of the Homestead Act in 1862, and he bought some land. So he was actually not American. He Mm. was um, American-Irish, I think, if I remember correctly. So... So there must have been some sort of loophole there that he could buy stuff in America, buy land in America. Stuff, good heavens. Uh, he must have paid some money out or oh, done something or, or known the right people. Yeah. Because the land originally was going to be a private hunting reserve for Lord Dunraven, but he wasn't allowed to do that. Oh, he wasn't allowed to hunt. He wanted mm. his own private hunting grounds. Mm-hmm. Bugger you. He was still one of the largest foreign landowners uh, in America at the time, but the whole idea of having a area where you could do hunting was very unpopular with the local ranchers and farmers. So Dunraven eventually left the area in 1884 and relegated the ranch to the management of an overseer. So according to one article in the research notes that we found, Dunraven never actually visited the Stanley Hotel. Oh. But I want you to remember his name because it comes up later with some interesting Interesting information. Okay. So Freeland built a four-bedroom house on the land and visited every year. Remember, he had this miraculous recovery and he had vowed that he would come back and be part of this amazing area. Well, it was keeping his health up, I suppose. Yeah, it would have been. And by 1907, Freeland had recovered completely. That's amazing. Yeah. However, he wasn't content with the rustic accommodations and the lazy pastimes and relaxed social scene of his new summer house, and he resolved to turn Estes Park into a resort town. Oh. So Flora and Freeland wanted to share this beautiful place with their family and friends. And so in 1907, construction began on the Hotel Stanley, mm-hmm. a 48-room grand hotel that catered for the class of moderately wealthy urbanites who composed the Stanley social circle back east. So it's like, I've got some money, I'm going to buy a huge property way, way away from the city, and I'm inviting all my friends to come along. Yeah. Amazing. But he's also going to help out the people who are suffering consumption or tuberculosis. Yeah. So they would have somewhere to, to go and hopefully heal as well. So now Freeland Stanley and his twin brother Francis Edgar Stanley were very successful businessmen in their own right. They had their fingers in the maple syrup business. Oh, that would be sticky fingers. It would be. They, they carved violins. They carved violins and photographic dry plates. 
and most famously of all, the Stanley Steamer automobile. Now, sadly, Francis died in 1918 when he drove his car into a wood pile while attempting to avoid farm wagons travelling side by side on the road. There's a question. Does Freeland's brother haunt the Stanley Hotel? Mm. We'll find out more about that when you talk about the ghosts. But the main hotel and concert hall were completed in 1909 and the manor in 1910. So to bring guests from the nearest train depot in the foothills of Lyons, Colorado, Stanley's car company produced a fleet of specially designed steam-powered vehicles called mountain wagons that seated multiple passengers. I'm sure there's some mountain wagons going on still today oh in this Estes Park. Oh, my goodness. So Stanley operated the hotel almost as a pastime, remarking once that he spent more money than he made each summer. That sounds a bit like us doing our job. (laughs) You're doing it because you just love it. It's a tax deduction. We keep saying that, but the problem (laughs) is we need to make more money than we do spend. (laughs) That's it. So he basically built the hotel to impress his friends, as I said before. How wonderful. It never made any money, but he was a savvy businessman and made money in other ways. So guests were astonished at the high quality of the hotel's electric lights, telephones, and it was very modern for its time. Stanley made hydroelectric systems to get power to the hotel and to Estes Park. He gave free power to the residents. Wow. But he sold the light bulbs. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's quite entrepreneurish. Yeah, we're making an electric system for you, but you need to buy the light bulbs from me. Yeah, exactly. There's no point in having power if you can't (laughs) see the light. (laughs) <laughs> so he also built a concert hall with a Steinway grand piano that was a gift to Flora, his wife, and she regularly hosted concerts and was a talented musician. So the guests enjoyed activities such as golf, horseback riding, bowling, and motor excursions in the Stanley automobiles. Oh, I want to go. Mm-hmm. There were formal dinners and loads of entertainment. Oh, you can just imagine the atmosphere. It would have been glorious. Yeah, particularly around that era. Yeah. So he was well-respected in the town. He established the first bank, the first sewer, water, power, and even funded the roads to Estes. He helped look after the wildlife population by helping his friend to create the Rocky Mountain National Park. Wow, what a man. Yeah, and it's like he's found this perfect place, so he's going to create his own perfect society world there for his friends to come to because you could imagine they wouldn't come if it was going to be rough. No, no, that's like me going camping. Yeah. It's not going to happen. So for them getting to this place, <laughs> that would have been like camping for them. Yeah. But the hotel itself, as I said, that was surprised at how beautiful it was. Wow. But in 1911, something happened that changed everything. Dong, dong. So upon opening, the hotel was alleged to be one of the few in the world powered entirely by electricity. However, lack of available power induced the installation of an auxiliary gas lighting system in June 1911. They must have been sucking down the power. Yeah. Like, you know how big the place is. It's huge. Yeah, it is. On June the 25th, the day after the pipes had been filled, an explosion occurred that injured and made and damaged the structure. Though contemporary newspaper articles differ 
on certain details. Now I've heard a little bit about this. I hope you go on uh, with this story in your part about the ghosts. Mm-hmm. That's it's mm-hmm. a little bit creepy about this whole made mm-hmm. and damaged thing. And you know that back then um, it was before they put a scent into the, the, the gas. gas. So there was no odour whatsoever. And, I mean, this type of thing was the very reason why they actually put an odour into the gas so that you would be aware that your gas has been left on and mm-hmm. do not do not reveal a naked flame. Mm. Now, I'm going to read um, some newspaper article snippets. So please, I know that I'm using terminology that may not be of today. Oh, big words. So don't, don't be writing anything to us saying you shouldn't be using those words. I am just repeating what was written in the papers at the time. Okay, so this first one was telegraphed to the York Dispatch. Okay, so this is a, a, an article that was telegraphed, yep, to the York Dispatch of York, Pennsylvania, and it goes, The Stanley Hotel, built at a cost of $500,000, was partly wrecked last night by an explosion of gas. Eight persons were injured, one seriously. None of the guests were injured. Elizabeth Wilson of Lancaster, a hotel employee, was hurled from the second to the first floor and both ankles were broken. The other seven are Negro waiters. Mm-hmm. Now, that name is important as well. So we remember that Elizabeth one. Elizabeth Wilson. Now, interestingly, when the story was reprinted, it changed slightly. So let's look at this. The explosion was caused by an accumulation of acetylene gas from a leaky pipe. This gas accumulated in the space between the ceiling of the dining room and the floor of the second story. A chambermaid who was in a room directly above the dining room was in the act of lighting the gas when the match which she held in her hand ignited the escaping gas. The explosion which followed tore a huge hole in the floor precipitating great quantities of plaster, timbers and other debris into the dining room. The chambermaid, Lizzie Leitenberger, uh-oh. Yeah, different name. Mm, mm. Had both ankles broken. It mm. is thought from the concussion of the explosion and was thrown into a hole in the floor. She was not, however, thrown through into the dining room being caught by the timbers and held until rescued. She was taken to the hospital in Longmount. She had been in the employ of the hotel ever since it was built and came here from Philadelphia. Two waiters also sustained slight injuries, one suffering a dislocated hip and the other being struck across the face by a flying plank. Neither of these, however, is in serious condition. So that's interesting. You have Elizabeth Wilson and then Lizzie Leitenberger. So first name is the same, Elizabeth and Lizzie. I have a little theory there, which I've just thought of just that moment. Oh, okay. Elizabeth Wilson was apparently the, like, head maid, head of... um, uh, looking after the the cleaning and uh, mm-hmm. looking after the hotel, and all of a sudden we've got a different name. Maybe she didn't want to be associated as the person who had um, created the destruction, so they've used a different name because she didn't want to be defamed. Because it's not her fault. Mm. 
true. It's not her fault. So how could she have known it was a brand new thing that was installed? Nobody had probably warned them about the the possibilities of what might go wrong and somebody had left the gas on. Mm. So now tell me a little bit about the Stanley Hotel itself. What what makes up the Stanley Hotel? Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about the buildings and the information that we found here. So we've got the main building of the hotel, the concert hall, and the lodge. So the lodge was originally called Stanley Manor, and it was scaled. It was it's a scaled down version of the hotel. Wow. Yeah, it's apparently like three to two or something like that. Wow. So it's like a little dollhouse. Mm-hmm. So Freeland had planned to use it as a winter retreat. It was fully heated. It's a bed and breakfast now, and it's off limits to tourists. Yeah, so it's it's the Stanley Hotel you can wander around a bit in, but the lodge, no, that's just for the people who have booked accommodation there. Cool. So I have to. When we go, can we go to the lodge then? No, go to the hotel. It's much better. Okay. But I have to tell you a funny little story about the the Stanley Manor. we were investigating with Adam from Kindred Spirits. Uh, that was his area. Um, I won't tell you about the ghost in there just yet, but um, we're all sitting there doing a quiet EVP session and there's probably about oh, 10 of us in the room. They, mm-hmm. they did like a rotation uh, and there was this <laughs> noise mm-hmm. and Adam's gone, what was that? Did everyone just hear that? And everyone's going, yes, he was a growl. I heard a growl. He's going, I heard it too. And then you hear this little voice go, um, yeah, that <laughs> was my stomach. That was me. <laughs> and it was my friend Jenny. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's gone, no, no, that was definitely a growl. And Jenny's going, ah, oh, no, no, that was <laughs> that was definitely my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> just a little mortifying moment of the Australians. Of course, that was it. Then we just giggled. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, they have service tunnels there as well. Mm. The service tunnels are carved into the limestone under the hotel. Under the main building. For the servants and waiters to go about their business without being seen by the guests. Oh, gosh, that goes back to the, like, the 1800s, doesn't yeah. it? And castles. And I got to investigate those too. Wow. So in 19... 19- 26, Freeland sold his hotel to a private company incorporated for the sole purpose of running the hotel. And the venture failed. And in 1929, Freeland purchased his property out of foreclosure, selling it again in 1930 to fellow automobile and hotel magnate Roe Emery of Denver. Now, until 1983, the resort was only open during the summer and it was shutting down for the winter every year. Oh, I thought it'd be beautiful in winter. Mm. But the presence of the hotel and Stanley's own involvement greatly contributed to the growth of Estes Park and the creation of the Rocky Mountain National Park. Flora and Freeland Stanley continued to spend their summers there, and in 1939, Flora died. Now, only a year later, in 1940, Freeland died at the age of 91. How amazing is that? He is 91. Wow. And he had tuberculosis. And he had tuberculosis. Wow. So did the area cure him? People walk around the area in bare feet to soak up the energy. Mm, well, it's on limestone, limestone and, and quartz. quartz. And this is a place 
where people go for healing. So 91 in that era is hugely old, never mind someone who's gone through tuberculosis, and his his breathing would have always been affected after Mm. having that. So after Freeland died, the owners struggled to maintain the upkeep and it passed through a lot of hands. So new owners found that they just couldn't make a profit and they needed to make a profit to maintain the upkeep of such a grand building. So by 1970, it had gotten shabby and it was almost ready for demolition. Oh, my God. Wow. Oh. And then. What? What? Stephen King visited. Don't. Oh, who's Stephen King? The author. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> oh, at least I know that. You should have seen the look I just got. <laughs> so in 1973, Stephen King and his wife checked in to the Stanley Hotel because of bad weather. Mm. It was the last day of the season and the Stanley Hotel was closing the next day. They were the only guests in the hotel and they had run of the place. Oh, my God. I would just love that. Oh, my gosh. Actually, we've had that before. We, we have. have. <laughs> Not <laughs> we, at the Stanley. And we ran. We, we were all over the place. <laughs> so the king stayed in room 217. Now it's the most requested room. And you'll find out why shortly. And there is a library of Stephen King books in that room now. King wandered the hallways and got inspiration. He supposedly encountered ghostly children and even saw a party going on with otherworldly guests. Now, in another article that we read, it said that he saw the apparition of an old lady. Mm-hmm. Were you there, Renata? I must have been. <laughs> I don't like you at all. (laughs) So that night he had horrific dreams and nightmares. There were various stories saying what it was, a fire that's alive, an entity lurking in the room and it's chasing his son. It's trying to consume him. Very vivid dreams. He's walked outside and had a smoke to recover to try and get over this horrible, horrific nightmare he seems to be having. And that's when inspiration smacks him straight in the face and he gets an idea for The Shining. The Shining! The Shining has been inspired by the Stanley Hotel. But the Stanley Hotel wasn't the hotel used in the movie at all. So Stephen King writes a novel and then Stanley Kubrick, the director, Mm -hmm. grabs it and creates a movie. Mm-hmm. Have you watched that movie, Renata? I think I have. Is that the one with Jack Nicholson? Yes. Yes. He's Johnny. That's the one. You know, when we were there at the conference, mm-hmm. they had a door with the number on the door with the um, the hacked out bits oh, of wood. Gosh. So you could put your face through there and do the whole. He's uh, Johnny. He's Johnny yeah. look. Was, yeah. I never got to do it. <laughs> Now, Stephen King really didn't like that whole version. I wonder why. And so he returned to film a miniseries at the Stanley Hotel. So that was truer to his book. That's what he felt happy with. Now, I haven't actually seen that. We must watch it. We must. We must. And both movies are now on a nonstop loop on the hotel's TVs. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) So after that. The um, hotel got a facelift and now it's a very popular hotel. Mm. Jim Carrey also stayed in the same room while filming Dumb and Dumber. He checked in and three hours later he requested another room. Uh, It was never said why, but he couldn't stay there another minute, so he said. Wow. 
wonder what happened. I wonder mm. if he'll ever reveal it. Mm. We'll have to give him a call and no, ask we'll him. We'll just drop him a hey, line. Jim. <laughs> so the Stanley embraces all of this ghostly activity and they run ghost and history tours. They have psychic services there too. I remember that. That was down on the bottom level. There was these little rooms. They were done up like gypsy tea rooms. Oh, nice. And you could book a reading with psychics. Oh, that's How fabulous. Awesome, but they weren't running the weekend that we were there. They've got a whole convention of paranormal nutters and they weren't running the readings. Mm. So there are tours, as you said, at the hotel. There are two-hour tours. There is a standard one that's all about the history and the stories and a nighttime tour. So the nighttime tour focuses on all the haunted aspects. It includes discussion on Stephen King and The Shining. There's a video Shows inside the famous rooms. Yeah, because you can't go into the rooms. So they have to show you a video of the rooms. Okay. And the concert hall and various closed rooms that guests can't go into. There's a brief hallway tour and uh, the entrance into the service tunnels are also shown. Now, children under five are not permitted. Oh, my God. Under five. Under five? So you reckon a six-year-old can cope with it? My gosh. (laughs) So the staff say that there are no reports of anything sinister or nasty. There are only happy ghosts at the Stanley Hotel. It has been described as the Disneyland Hotel for Ghosts. Oh, good God. And I would also call it the Disneyland Hotel for Ghost Hunters. <laughs> now, Renata. Oh, I'm waiting for this bit. Do you want to hear all about the ghosts, the supposed hauntings I of the Stanley Hotel? I do. I do. Well, there are that many that they actually have a menu of the the different rooms and the different types of hauntings that go on in each of the rooms. So you can check whether you want to have a, a feel-up or photos thrown or shadows or, you know. Do, do they guarantee all of this once you've booked in for oh, your experience? I'm thinking not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But I can't remember which room Jenny and Julie stayed in, but the most haunted floor is the fourth floor. Okay. And they were on the fourth floor. Now, they booked rather late and they got the last of the rooms. Yeah. And it was the room next to the elevator. And it was, they had this gorgeous window that looked out the back over a pond down below into the mountains. And uh, there was a little sitting room and then in the next room there was a bed. Mm Mm-hmm. And they had so many paranormal things happen in that room that they they almost bolted. Really? I remember one of the recordings they did because they were doing EVP sessions in your room, as you do, and they had the sound of children playing. Oh, my god! There were no children wow. at a paranormal convention, I can wow. tell you now. And it's quite a way uh, – it, it, it's sort of up on the hill away from the town, so mm-hmm. – it, it was great. And they saw at one stage a shadow standing over their bed. Oh. Um, I think Julie may have slipped on the, the lounge chair at one stage because she just wanted to go in the bedroom. Anyway, let me tell you about the various ghosts. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap? Read a book? Or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you 
and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. So the most notorious one is Room 217. Mm-hmm. Now, as part of this convention, uh, they did a uh, an auction and uh, they, they took bids for the most notorious haunted rooms for people to stay in the night. And God love Jason. He bid for Room 217 and Got it. Wow. And then he let us all have a couple of hours each in room 217. Oh, so happy. That's exciting. Nothing happened, but it was was great. I can tick (laughs) that off my bucket list because it's really hard to get into that room. It is so booked out. Yeah. So let me tell you about it. Many housekeeping events happen in this room. Housekeeping events, Mm -hmm. right? Guests have reported returning to their room after dropping off their bags and find their luggage has been unpacked for them. Ooh, I like this that's ghost. That's a good ghost. Other guests have also reported their shoes being lined up neatly on the end of the bed. Uh, shadows have also been reported passing through the walls. Now, we know why that would have been. Mm-hmm. Okay, as the, as the room was once part of a much larger suite until the mid-2000s. So this was the room that was blown up in the gas explosion, and this is the room that they say the lady um, who was... Th- the maid. The maid. The maid. That was thrown through. Elizabeth. Yes. Right? So she is the one who was still continuing on her duties. But Why? She didn't die there. She she actually kept working into her old age. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't see any reason, unless it's a residual imprint of that particular moment yeah, in time. Could be, but it it would be showing itself differently. Um, if if she is a uh, intelligent ghost, there's no reason for her spirit to be there. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, the, so as we know, she haunts there. Um, but another thing that happens, if you are an unmarried couple for a bit of shenanigans in that room, you will feel a cold force between you. Oh. Oh, oh I say. Oh. Maybe it's Flora. Maybe. Could be Freeland's wife going... You're not supposed to be doing this. This is a respectable place. We're not going to have any of these shenanigans here. Yeah. 
Anyway, so let's move on. That's room 217. Yeah. Now we're going to go to the fourth floor. Now, originally, that was an attic. Mm-hmm. And we know all hauntings happen either in the attic or the basement. Of course they do. So that's where the female employees originally and the nannies would stay there. Mm-hmm. And it was only later that the rooms were uh, built and made into another level for accommodation. So each room has its own unique disturbance. Uh, and we're going to look at some of these disturbances. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. room 401, a male ghost who some believe to be an Irish man named Lord Dunraven mm-hmm. is reported to be in this room. Oh, I know, right? Oh, crap. <laughs> he was never he, there in the first place. He never visited the hotel in his <laughs> life as it was built 20 years after he left Estes Park. It was built on the land that he had yeah. once owned. Um, so apparently what happens in this room, in the closet, women feel their hair being played with, an arm around their shoulder or waist, a hand moving up the back of their neck. Dirty old man. Men don't feel particularly welcome in this room sometimes as they have felt someone is pressing them into the bed or their jewellery is disappearing. I've got a question. Why are they in the closet, Anne? I I don't know. (laughs) You need to come out of that closet and be loud and proud. Um, So this is the room where Jason of Ghost Hunters, if you remember the the, the TV show, um, he had a drinking uh, had a glass of drinking water on the, the bedside table and it exploded while he was sleeping and there seems to be no mm-hmm. particular reason why it exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the closet door opened and closed of its own and they I think they only found that out the next day when they saw the review. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that you could hear kids' noises mm-hmm. in that. So, okay, next room, 407. People have reported being tucked in in this room. A little boy said he kept kicking his covers off and they kept coming back up throughout the night. His mother was quite shocked and said that she hadn't woken during the night and certainly didn't keep covering him. Another guest reported feeling someone sit on the edge of the bed. But when she turned the light on, no one was there. <laughs> she did, however, see an indentation of a bum print, I'm assuming, uh, as if someone had just gotten up. Now, mm-hmm. I think that was the room that we investigated during our stay there with Grant mm-hmm. from uh, uh, Ghost Hunters. Mm-hmm. And he actually gave a really good bit of advice for uh, when you're investigating with children. He said, think of the height of children and how adults tower over the top of them. Uh, he said, if you're going to investigate a room where there's a report of a child's ghost, sit on the floor, get a ball or something and play it, yeah. play with it or something. Yeah. You know, get down to their level and don't be so threatening. And yes. that you might get more engagement. So yes. that was room 407. But wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> now we're up to 413. Now, several guests have reported seeing a man dressed in old-fashioned clothes standing in the corner of the room. The face of the man in a blue ball has also been seen on the outside of the room. Now, is that a blue orb? I think, yes. Yes. What are you going to say about orbs, Renata? Nothing. Nothing at this point, no. Too early in the season to be picking (laughs) on orbs. And look, orbs... Orbs are the shape of whatever you're seeing. So an orb just means that it's circular. And certainly if I saw it with my own eyes, it would be extremely interesting 
for me to investigate. And I have to say, I have seen orbs. I have seen them with my, my own eyes. Own eyes. Yep. It's just that word that. <laughs> it's a trigger. Yeah. It's a trigger. It sticks in my throat. Right, let's keep going. Yep. Okay. Room 418. Ghost children do mischievous things in this room. Covers are sometimes removed during the night and hangers are known to move on their own. I've actually seen videos of people saying, showing that, mm-hmm. the hangers moving on their own. But it, what's happening in the room next door? If somebody's banging on the wall, so to speak. Oh, okay. Uh, bathroom lights have also been reported to turn on and off on their own. A little girl about four years old and her mother stayed in there a few years ago. And the following morning, the girl reported being tickled by a little boy during the night. Ooh. She wasn't afraid. Instead, she simply told the little boy to stop. And he did. So it's known for mischievous kids, covers being removed, hangers moving, baths, bath lights on and off and tickling. I like that. Mm. I think I could pick that room. Yeah. Four to eight. So the reports in this room was that somebody awoke to find a Wild West cowboy pacing at the end of their bed. I wonder if this is Julie and uh, Jenny's room. Um, after watching them for a few minutes, they politely asked him to leave. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Seeing cowboy. <laughs> Excuse me, would you mind leaving? Uh, okay, so they asked him to politely leave, which he did, but not before leaning over the lady as if, as if to kiss her. Female guests sometimes wait to find him leaning in for a kiss on the forehead. That's just strange. That is very strange. Very strange. So quite often uh, footsteps can be heard above them and furniture being dragged around, but they're on the top floor. There is nothing above them. The cowboy appears at the corner of the bed. When they wake up, he's leaning in to kiss them on the forehead. So that that's that's nice. I, I could possibly do that room too. Mm-hmm. But now we're just going to move down a little bit to the third floor. Mm-hmm. I think I stayed on the second floor. No, it might have been the third floor. That, that's right. In America, the ground floor is first floor. So we were possibly the third floor. So 302, a male ghost has been seen as a shadow in the room, walking near the walls. Photos have been known to fly off the walls. And this is where Grant from Ghost Hunters had a table levitate whilst changing the film. Oh. That's my sort of room. We like levitating tables. We do. Yeah. Now, the other areas. Uh, oh, I should tell you about my room that we stayed in. Mm-hmm. So I decided that we were going to pay for a little bit of an upgrade to have a view. And we got put into this magnificent room with a four-poster bed. Now, if you look at photos of the Stanley Hotel, you're standing at the front looking at it. There is a balcony uh, at the front. We were on the left-hand side, and there is a window and a round window. Mm-hmm. The uh, That was the bathroom, the round window. And you could open that window. I've heard, I've heard this story. <laughs> it was in the bathroom. Oh. And you could take a dump on the toilet <laughs> while staring at the Rocky Mountains. And at one stage we had it open and there was snow flurrying into the room. It was a magic moment I'll remember for the rest of my life. Mm. <laughs> View from the loo. View from the loo. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the other areas. The main staircase. hmm which is thought to be a vortex. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do remember the stairway. It was beautiful, although I use the elevator wherever I can because I'm lazy. Um, so it's a stairwell in the hotel's main guest area, in the main guest house. Um, so design is a natural spiral and it sort of 
that always has that energy to it when it's a spiral. It seems to attract the spirits. Some person has said that it's a rapid transit system for ghosts. Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah, so people say there is mm. no one on the staircase, but um, you take photos and you will capture figures of people going up and down. They don't remember them there at the time, but this is one of these things that frustrates me a little bit with photos. People will find photos on their cameras from years ago Mm -hmm. and they'll look at them and they'll go, nobody else was there. Mm -hmm. I remember. But if you said to them, do you remember what you had for breakfast that morning? Do you remember what time you got out of bed? They don't remember those things because uh, it's escaped their mind. But Basically, we, you know, our memory, we, we wipe a lot of the everyday thing because we would be overwhelmed with the amount of information stored in our brains and we would pop our brains out. <laughs> They'd leak out our ears, Renata. <laughs> so I, I think that because they want the photo to be right, they, they vow there was no one there, but there could have been. Absolutely. Yeah. You just don't, you, you don't you rem- remember everything that you no. see. The camera captures everything, but. You know, mm. you may be looking at one part, the stairs, yep. and not even notice that there is someone in the corner. Yeah. And there was this underground cave system and we got to go through <gasps> Did there. Did you? Yes. Oh, how we, amazing. We investigated that with John Tenney. How many names have you dropped in this episode already? Oh, I think that's I think that's number five. I'm doing the best I can. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, this was before his TV show came out and he kept saying to us, there's something coming. You'll, you'll see it. You'll see it. And just look out for the camper van. And at the time we didn't know what he meant, but then I worked it out. They have this motorhome they go around in. It was hilarious. But I really love the way John uh, investigates. He's um, very logical, a bit like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the workers used to use this to serve without being seen. Uh, the reports there are unexplained breezes, cold spots, um, but there is a high concentration of limestone and quartz. Is this the battery for the whole hotel. Mm, I think so. Mm. We've experienced that in one of the sites that we've been on. Yeah. Um which has a lot of paranormal activity as well. Yeah. And it's on quartz. Yep. It is. Yeah. So the other one, now in this one I got to investigate with Brit from Ghost Hunters International and Amy from, uh, sorry. That's number six, number seven. <laughs> yes, go ahead. From Kindred Spirits. I want to see if you hit ten. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can get to ten, but I'll do my best. <laughs> uh, right, so the concert hall is where you can hear the piano being played, a bit of tinkling. They think it's flora. Uh, you mostly hear it in the concert hall, but sometimes in the hotel as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Paul, the ghost. Uh, he was a type of caretaker and he used to like to enforcing the 11pm curfew. So if you are out and about after 11pm, you may hear him say, get out. Uh, also, there's a phenomena of lights dimming. Di- That's a new word for you. Dimming. Mm-hmm. Dimming and brightening. Now, this was Eddie. Eddie the ghost, who was an ex-con that worked at the hotel, and he used to look after the lights for performances. Mm-hmm. And then the one that we opened the show with, which is the saddest one of all for me. Oh, Lucy. Lucy, the young girl who was homeless and sought refuge in the hotel. Now, I think this is a clairvoyant story. Somebody's come in and said, this is what I'm picking up. Mm-hmm. Always get suspicious of that. But there is a great photo mm-hmm. of a little girl in a pink dress 
which will uh, pop up when this season goes to air. So uh, we'll, we'll let you have a look. Anyway, she was squatting in the basement, was forced out and froze to death. Poor thing. Um, she, she actually does like to talk to the ghost hunters and work with their equipment, bless her. So I'm just going to run through now some of the other ghosts that are reported to be seen. So we have uh, Flora Stanley, the wife of uh, Freeland. Um, she is seen. Um, her, she's pictures of her on the main staircase. She's seen gazing at windows in the music room as if waiting for her guests so she could entertain them. Now, Freeland has been seen as well. He's been seen walking through the main lobby um, and is often seen at the bar around closing time, leaning against the bar, watching the staff go about their closing duties. Mrs. Wilson, who was Elizabeth Wilson, the maid, mm-hmm. uh, has been seen walking through a wall in room 217. Uh, children, sounds of children running and playing on the fourth floor, um, uh, whispering in the closet. Oh, I don't know if I'd like that. Um, there's also TVs that have been turned on really loud and a little girl peeking from the central staircase. So I have to try and find that photo too. Then there's Lord Dunraven, the original Irish person who uh, brought uh, the grounds of the Stanley and... Um, he appears in 401, the old nanny's break room. Uh, Jewelry's been stolen, found later, hides in closets, breathes down the neck and uh, reaches around waists of females. Yeah, and, yeah, I don't know about that one. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't think a, a lord would ever be stealing jewellery. Apparently like he was a bit of a lech. So, mm, um, it, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, but then, then I found in my last bit of research last night, Another ghost they haven't mentioned. Now, the brother has not shown up in any reports, uh, mm-hmm. his twin brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's Eddie, Eddie the ghost, who um, was known as Stinky Man. <laughs> oh, poor bugger. Initially presented himself with a foul odour. Uh, and, of course, some people would jump to the conclusion that means demonic or something. But yeah. um, apparently he didn't like the idea that he was being called Stinky Man, so he's changed his tag tactics and has been uh, now exuding a more pleasant smell. Okay. I don't get that's, that at all. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I, I Maybe could... someone that hears this has um, had an occasion of maybe meeting Eddie and you can yeah. shine some light yeah. on this. That would be interesting. So his presence seems to cause discomfort, possibly due to a, a life of hardship, according to psychics and mediums. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's now lightened up and remains a resident prankster and apparently a bit of a ladies' man. Mm-hmm. Suspected of stroking their hair and kissing their cheeks, the female guests. So Eddie began visiting the Stanley just a few years ago and has no known connection to the property. It's wondered if Lucy and Eddie are simply a new demographic of ghosts and raises the question of travel in the afterlife. Now, is he on holidays there? Ooh, but, but remember, it's a portal. Mm, it's a portal. Supposedly. But also, as we've known from our tours, people bring their own ghosts and entities with them. Mm-hmm. They bring family members, hitchhikers, and sometimes they might find a place they like better than where they are. Mm-hmm. The Stanley Hotel is not a bad place to spend the afterlife. I agree. Now, I've actually got a bonus section for you. Um, what? What more can this poor place endure? When we were at the Stanley Hotel. Oh, here comes number eight. 
Number eight name drop? Number eight? No. Oh, okay. No. We, as part of the tour, got taken to a spot that was a little bit off the ground. So it was still attached to the Stanley, but it was off to the side. Yeah. And now think of Stephen King. Mm. It was a pet cemetery. No. <gasps> no. Yes. Oh, my God. It was a magical moment because the snow had started to fall and we've traipsed through the snow to these beautiful pine trees surrounding this little clearing where the headstones of the beloved pets lay. Wow. So it's in a discreet spot off the side of the hotel and it believed that it's the pet's that belongs to the families of the managers and the other staff who stayed at the building. Um, it's a handful of tiny tombs tributed to animals named Casey, Holmes, Stanley Blue 1, 2 and 3 <laughs> and some others. Uh, so there's a, roughly about a dozen marked graves dating back to the 1960s with little headstones and a tiny white fence to Aww, mark the cemetery. how cute. But... It got moved. Oh. So apparently they were, they're building a pavilion or something, so they've had to move these little graves to the other side of the pond. <laughs> now, as we know, Stephen King did write the book Pet Cemetery, spelt with an S-E-M, not a C-E-M, uh, and it's about animals and people who demonically come back to life after internment at an ancient Native American burial site. Mm-hmm. So once again, we we do have the Native American grounds here, but it was more of a healing place, yes. not, not a burial site. Yeah. Reminds, I, reminds me of um, what we read about in the Amityville Horror where the Native American Indians had a healing space yeah. at the back of the house where the boat shed was. Yeah, but it's more convenient to make it sound spooky. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the the hotel staff said the cemetery is sometimes a stop on the tour, so it doesn't attract anywhere near as much of the attention of the hotel itself. They do have reports of spooky events there. So they, they brought in the Celtic lady who's been featured on a dog psychic animal planet TV show called Pit Boss, and she, she wanted to contact the spirits of the animals. And it said that the owners of the animals... If they are upset that their their beloved pets are being relocated, that there could be troubles. And MacArthur says mysterious accidents like construction injuries and other problems could probably be avoided if a psychic like her comes to help the animals <laughs> and make the transition to the other side. Right. Okay. Seems plausible to me. Absolutely. So... With all of those listings, there are so many people who have had experiences, reports, photos of what's happened at the Stanley Hotel. Mm -hmm. Is it truly haunted or not, Renata? I I can't answer this one. I'd love to go and experience this place, but some of the things that we've talked about here are are a little bit Mm far-fetched, and yet others seem quite plausible. Mm-hmm. And obviously people are having things happen while they are staying there overnight and there are lots of reports. So from my point of view, I'm going to have to just leave that 
up in the air and go, I, I don't know. I don't know how much of this is true and how much of it has been laid on because of the movies and you know, everything else. Mm. It, it is a destination. It mm-hmm. is a ghost hunting destination. Yeah. And look, as I said, I've stayed there and I have heard the EVPs and the stories firsthand. I personally didn't have any experiences, mm-hmm. but I believe that it is haunted, mm-hmm. but maybe not to the degree that it is stated there because Mm -hmm. people are wanting to come and stay in these haunted rooms and there seems to be conveniently now a lot of haunted rooms. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's good business. It's very clever business. Um, And we also know that people go primed into these locations expecting to have an experience and if they're not uh, paranormal investigators, they, they're hyped up and they're freaked out. They generally don't sleep and any little noise is going to trigger them. But for me, after hearing those children giggle on that recorder. You believe. I believe. Good. When are we going? <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our Stanley Hotel episode. I hope you've enjoyed this one. And if you do, please leave us a review. A five-star review would be fabulous. And that just keeps helping our uh, profile stay visible in iTunes and Spotify. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube.